I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, which shall we say a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On to the show today, episode 63. The NCAA tournament is down to the final four. And we preview the National League. Um, now that the lockout is over, we can actually talk about that. And maybe we'll talk about a few other sports on the horizon as well. Email us at dsethepodcast at gmail.com, at dsepodcast on Twitter, dsethepodcast on Instagram. Rate and review us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. If you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the pod. And Spotify has ratings now, too, for podcasts. So give us five stars there as well. Without all that out of the way, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who had St. Peter's where I did not, Tim Reinhardt. Welcome, Tim. Uh, I had him, and then I had him again, and that one didn't pan out quite as well, but uh, you got to be proud of those uh, those peacocks for, uh, for going as far as they did, and I kind of hope, you know, like, thinking back, we were talking about it a while ago, the Gonzaga um run back in 1998 you know it it gets recruits and it gets your name on the map and you know i uh i i'm I'm already forgetting the coach's name is it holloway um right yeah i you know there are rumors that he's gonna um jump off and go to go to um seton hall um man he's a seton hall he's seton hall alum yes yeah so i mean I'd kind of love them to stay there and like, see if they can't build something out of this right. uh, because they, they clearly got a lot of exposure and they got a lot of press. And um, I imagine like they're, they're going to be, be a school that I understand they're in the Mac, but you know, what, what's Gonzaga's conference and what was it like before, you know, Gonzaga right. made its, its run uh, to the elite eight. So my hope is that he sticks around. They, uh, they help, uh, you know, and uh, they they see the increase in in recruiting that that could potentially come from something like this. Yeah, and I think you know, pointing back to Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga pulled up that um, what are the mountain not not Mountain West, whatever conference they're in. Um, you know, St. Mary's became a pretty good team. Now San Francisco is a good team in there. They have a couple of teams that are that are now good because they are just in the same conference as Gonzaga. And so they are raising their games to Gonzaga's level, not necessarily to Gonzaga's level, but to give them competition and, um, you know, play them. So I think, you know, having a, a really good team in a conference can't bring that, that level up. Um, St. Peter's in the M M A A C yes. Mac, right? <laughs> the Metro Atlantic athletic conference. So right. there you go. Uh, MAAC. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about the games here. Um, you had seven of eight, correct? And I I did not. I'm not even going to talk about how many I had correct. But um, so the first game of, of the um, of the weekend, 
one that you did have correct was Arkansas over Gonzaga. Um, I had Gonzaga as a winner in my bracket. So obviously I, I thought that Gonzaga was going to win here. Yeah. Um, this one was uh, a tough game because I think Gonzaga doesn't generate turnovers. So they couldn't get any offense going outside of their normal offense. And they did a good job of kind of stifling their usual plays. And Arkansas had some great shots. And they got uh, Chet Holmgren in foul trouble. And all of those things combined together um, equals an Arkansas win. What do you think? Yeah, so this was the one game that I didn't really watch all that. I I wasn't able to watch all that much of. So I'm going to trust your analysis on that. Um, Yeah. And I I mean, it. I, I always feel maybe it is a conference bias, like a little weary of the like Gonzaga as the number one overall seed now obviously we just pumped up St. Peter's that you know played the likes of Iona um Marist uh like Quinnipiac you know fine fine schools I don't want to uh disparage them they're just not you know Duke um so like it it seems like I I guess whenever I see Gonzaga that high on the bracket, I'm usually at some point picking them to be upset. Right. And, and so far, you know, I, I mean, last year they did go to the, to the title game, but um, they, and they did lose. I, I don't know why I thought that they didn't lose anybody from last year, but they lost Suggs and um, Kispert from two of their best players. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't lose Timmy from last year, but they lost, you know, two of their best offensive scorers from last year. Um, obviously added two, two good players, but those players are still freshmen. Um, and you know, their best player being drew Timmy is he's a great player, uh, on offense, especially. Um, but oftentimes you're getting the, the two versus three discount. Arkansas was hitting threes and you know, those are worth 50% more than, than the two. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, just, just on that alone, um, Arkansas was able to stifle them Gonzaga enough. It was, um, you know, I think as a Gonzaga, as a person rooting for Gonzaga, it was a frustrating watch because Arkansas was doing so well on defense, frustrating their offense um, completely and, and able to score on Gonzaga. Not at will, but they they made some really tough shots. So, um, you know, I think, I think what it comes down to is that Arkansas is a good team, you know. Um, Gonzaga, as you talked about, doesn't play, you know, they play a tough non-conference schedule as tough as they probably can do. Mm. Um, but there's no getting around that their conference is, is pretty weak. You know, they're not playing, um, you know, even tough teams like the, uh, up and down the big 10, right. Or right. big 12 or, or, you know, um, so there's certainly a bunch of cupcakes on their schedule and, um, they, they did have an advantage, I think in the past because they, weren't kind of a high prospect location, a one and done guys location. Yeah. Um, so that they tended to have um, a lot of upperclassmen on their team. Right. Um, but now with Suggs and, um, and now with Chet Holmgren, this is two years in a row, they'll have a one and done. So um, they are still, they have freshmen just like anybody else. So um, I don't know. I, I, that's around in circles as analysis, but um it's quite possible in my mind that they could do something that more like Virginia where Virginia kind of blew it 
<laughs> and the next year they had a really good run. So right. I think they're they're capable of having a good run just like anybody else. Um, but I this this underlines that it's it's quite difficult <laughs> yeah. to win six games in a row against sure. you know the top sixty four teams in the nation. So absolutely, and I, I yeah. do think you said something that's that's interesting there, and I, I'd be interested to look at the teams that are left standing and how many of them do have guys that have played together for a few years now and are not just full of these one and done um one and done guys i think there is something to be said for uh for a college basketball team you know you might have better talent but if they're 18 years old and don't have the same on court chemistry as not quite as talented 22 year olds or in some cases, 23 year olds, um, you know, then there, there's something to be said about those teams that aren't quite as talented, but have had guys that are more experienced at the collegiate level and have played together at the collegiate level. Yeah. And I think something you see a lot with these, these smaller schools now is that the transfer portal is allowing guys from big schools to come and play another year because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has another year of eligibility. Um, they can come play at, um, you know, a smaller school or they could even transfer to another big school where there's a chance. So you are seeing a lot of guys. Um, if you look at um, Villanova, for example, I, I thought it was quite funny on their starting lineup. I believe they had three guys that were listed as graduates. So they were basically like fifth year seniors um in their starting lineup right. so they they for one i don't know about the other ones without doing a little bit of research but um, villanova certainly has a bunch of guys that have been around um quite a bit and you can tell certainly in villanova's play they're very um very precise and very um practiced um for what they are i know duke um has paolo vanchero who's a who's a freshman um i'm not sure about north carolina um or kansas but um, Villanova for sure is full of veterans. And so let's, let's go to that, um, Villanova game. They, they handled Michigan, um, not easily, but I think they were in control throughout that game. Um, they end up with a, uh, with an eight point win Michigan, um, you know, kind of was playing above their seed, certainly maybe not above their head uh, in the tournament, but certainly above their seed. Um, Villanova played them tough and, you know, I think, Certainly, Villanova deserved to win. They have um, uh, Connor Gillespie is their is their star graduate, fifth year senior guard, um, who's quite good at uh, uh, outside shooting and and uh, and dribble driving. That that brought the win for them there. Yeah, and they they play these you know tough <clears throat> tough low scoring games. Even in the next round, would they score fifty points? You know, they're mm-hmm. they're uh, they they seem to know how to keep their their opponents, um, their opponents from scoring. So, I, at this at this stage of the game, defense is is going to be big. Um, so, I I I know it's not the most exciting um, brand of basketball uh, when you see final scores like sixty three fifty five or um, fifty to forty four. I think that was a next the next round final score, but it's it's something that's working for them. Yeah. And I, I think they said on the broadcast, they have like the, the 
for pace, um, they have they're like 335th <laughs> in in the NCAA. So like I didn't even know there was 335 uh, Division One basketball teams. Apparently there is at least 335. So uh, Villanova, one of the slowest teams in the nation, but they take care of the ball. They don't turn it over, and they make shots and they play de- good defense. So you know that that um, strategy certainly can work, and it did work against Michigan, and it did work against. Um, Houston in the Elite Eight, where, you know, as you said, 50 to 44, that was a, a very slow game where Houston hit basically zero shots um, from yeah. outside. Um, you know, some, you know, some shots were open that they just missed, but some of it is just good defense. Um, and, and sometimes good defense masquerades as a, a wide open three when it's somebody that they're okay with shooting a wide open right. three. And, right. And if- if you look at the other, I know we're kind of, I'm sort of jumping ahead. Those other final four games, like um, that Miami loss um, on uh, on Saturday to North Carolina, that was one of those, like, I'm sorry, to Kansas. That was one of those, like, just incredible defensive performances by Kansas in the second half. You know, uh, North Carolina from the get-go seemed to have St. Peter's number defensively. So, yeah, we could be entering that stage of the tournament where uh, good defenses uh, are going to going to thrive. Right. And and one um, I'm skipping slightly ahead, skipping over the Duke beating Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech is, has a good defense, but Duke was able to kind of out out duel them in a you know, made it kind of um, they played at Duke speed, not at Texas, Texas speed there. Um, I think Texas Tech would prefer a, a low-scoring game in that, and they didn't get it and couldn't keep up with Duke. Um, but Houston is one of the, um, also one of the good defensive teams in the tournament as well, and they showed that against Arizona. That one was the the nightcap, so I did not watch that one. It was very late, but Houston yeah, is. Yeah, I fell asleep uh, you know, during that game. Yeah, no harm, no harm in Houston. Um, are losing to Houston there by Arizona. Um, you know, Houston's a very good team, but I think Arizona had. Um, aspirations higher than that. Um, yeah, you go 33 and four. You're, I think you're hoping for at least the final yeah. four. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to Friday, um, St. Peter's beat Purdue. Um, one thing that I noticed about this game, we were, we were, um, we were texting during it, um, but Purdue has uh, one or two pretty outstanding big men. Um, and yeah. St. Peter's plays pretty small. Like they're, a, they're, I don't, I don't, I mean, at least from my perspective, their uh, t- tallest player looks like he's about six seven or six six. Yeah. Um, so Purdue was able to do um, whatever they wanted in the paint. However, St. Peter's really just kind of kind of pushed away at the end there through the you know through three pointers and stuff like that, and and, and Purdue's final shot fell fell short. Um, but you know, skipping you know, kind of doing a, th- a through line with St. Peter's here, they. In the North Carolina game, they got absolutely dominated by North Carolina's big man. Um, he had 12 rebounds in half of the first half. Um, and a lot of those were offensive rebounds, getting second chances yeah. and, and getting them points. So, um, and, and just causing trouble for St. Peter's offense. You know, obviously they, they started out, I think, seven to two or 10 to, yeah, uh, seven to nothing, 10 to two. And, um, you know, St. Peter's uh, couldn't. Again, could, you know, North Carolina's defense was bigger and longer and stronger than St. Peter's, and you know the the uh, the proverbial carriage turned into a pumpkin. Um, 
at that point. Yeah, and, and it just seemed like none of the shots were falling. Um, and perhaps it was one of those things you were talking about where they, they isolated guys that they um, they thought were – or they, they allowed guys that they thought didn't have a great shot to make a shot, um, allowed them to stand wide open at the three-point line, and those guys were heaving them up. I, I don't know if that was it or I don't I clearly – haven't watched enough St. Peter's basketball this year to know who who their <laughs> best uh, shooters are, but but it did seem like they um, they just none of the shots they were taking were falling, even the ones that seemed to be good looks. And then again, I'm no basketball um, like uh, coach or commentator of any of any kind. It it seemed like they began pressing pretty early and started taking maybe less wise shots. Yeah. Um, yep. And, you know, the game sort of um, evened out in, I want to say in the second half, a little bit better. But at that point, um, you know, it was only 31 to 30. Like they, they seem to settle in. But also I think at that point, North Carolina is just main, trying to maintain what they had as pretty much a 20 point lead the entire game. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that one just was, Oftentimes you don't see the game won early on, but that one was won early on, and they just kind of kept kept the the pace, right? They just said, "Okay, we'll we'll stay up 10, 15 points, right?" Right. Um, throughout the whole game, trying to just keep them at arm's length, and that's that's pretty much what happened with St. Peter's. And I think you know, obviously, all credit to St. Peter's, the lowest, the farthest, uh, low, um, you know, lowest seed to go farthest. Uh, is that right? Yeah, lowest seed to go farthest yep. ever yep, in the sense. tournament. Um, you know, and that game was the last one um, on Sunday night. So, you know, they were the, you know, fifth uh, fifth team of the Final Four. Um, last team eliminated right. from the Elite Eight. So, I think that they are, to me, I think the story of this tournament, um, you know, all, all the other... There wasn't that many really good storylines. Um, other, you know, um, obviously the final four is is a little bit uh, not not full of top seeds, but full of kind of blue blood uh, programs. And and St. Peter's kind of inserting themselves into that was was a, was my favorite yeah. story of it so far. And and you said I still think unless I missed one, I still don't think we have a buzzer beater. Um, no, we don't. Yeah. No. So like, there's been no story like that. Um, and th- yeah, I think this is St. Peter's th- this will be remembered years later. Uh, like uh, who, who knows if we're going to even remember who won the actual championship. We'll remember St. Peter's and, you know, and this, that's the kind of thing like a movie gets made out of. You right. Know? So absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. So, so speaking of a movie, um, you know, obviously, uh, a team that we haven't really talked about much Duke, um, they won their uh, Sweet 16 game against Texas Tech. We t- talked about that. Um, they beat a really good team, Arkansas, um, in the Elite Eight. Um, in Coach K's final year, they're in the Final Four. Um, they're going to play against their hated rivals, North Carolina, who beat them at Coach K's last game at mm-hmm. home. Uh, Coach K uh, then famously gets on the mic and chides the fans for cheering and says, that's not acceptable the way that we played. Um, you know, if you had written it into a movie and Duke ends up winning on Coach Gates' final game, I think they'd probably get thrown out for being too 
uh, cheesy. Unless, <laughs> unless, okay, unless they go on to play North Carolina in the Final Four. I mean, if you really want to be cynical, is the fix in on this one? Like, my yeah. goodness, like, yeah, this is this is like, yeah, the the movie's still going on, and and Duke is going to have their redemption moment um, against North Carolina here in the final four. So I don't know if that movie's done just yet. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, it's kind of a, a mighty ducks allegory a little yeah. bit. Like Duke beat them a big time by 20 in the first game. The second game, North Carolina beats them and spoils coach K's final home game. And then they face each other in the final four. So, um, if the movie was to be written from a Duke perspective, this would be a Duke victory. Um, but again, you know, I think hard to tell what's going to happen here, but you know, I think it's, it's quite, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a Duke fan. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. So I, I try, I try to temper that a little bit I guess as I get older, but I, I saw a bit of that Duke game. It seemed like they were in pretty good control of it. Um, all throughout, uh, at least the second half was the, the part that I mostly saw. Um, if they are capable of doing that, then I I would pick them to win this game against North Carolina. I'm not sure what the odds makers are saying <clears throat> saying about that game, um, but certainly North Carolina doesn't care. You know, like they, they don't they don't seem to be worried about this being. Uh, I guess it's Duke minus four. I'm seeing on ESPN here. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, four, four I, I don't think North there. Carolina cares very much about anything regarding coach K and you know, they're not, they're not afraid to, to go out and play tough and beat them. So uh, I, I'm not sure what the movie script's going to say, but uh, you, you're, you have two teams coming off two pretty dominant performances in the elite eight. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's the classic, you can throw out the records uh, game that yeah. you, you hear about from sportscasters, but um, you can, I mean, you can definitely throw out the seating. Um, North Carolina is playing much better than an eight seed. And, and I think they were, were, were thought of preseason better than an eight seed. Um, and yeah, Duke four, four and a half. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's an interesting one. I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time picking, picking this one. Actually, both games are four. So Kansas by four, Duke by four. Um, this that one's that one's interesting um so let's see what else do we not talk about um so i picked ucla we talked about north carolina i picked ucla they, we, they I have think we both picked ucla we did yeah that was the one that you got wrong <laughs> ucla has the championship formula i uh misled you on that one you sure did um, i'll blame you miami absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um miami florida beat uh beat i Iowa State and Miami lost to Kansas. Uh, Miami didn't really have a chance. Um, very much a St. Peter's esque um, from Miami against Kansas. Kansas just kind of in another league from Miami. Um, at that point, they really just kind of uh, throttled Miami. Didn't have a chance. Both of those games on Sunday were kind of like stinkers. To yeah, be they, they were disappointed. Sixteen or twenty-six, if I'm counting right, twenty and twenty-six uh, victories. Those were both. Uh, pretty snoozeworthy well and i guess miami was winning the game at the half they were up four or six points at at halftime and yeah 
whatever adjustments happened um, absolutely stifled Miami. Well, Kansas, I remember at halftime, Kansas was like four for 12 from the free throw line and like one for 15 from three. Um, it was like a really odd shooting performance yeah. from Kansas in the first half. And you felt like just through regression that that would get better for Kansas in the second half. And they got regression and quite a bit more um, as they started making their shots in the second half and just right. kind of just took off. Um and and that one wasn't wasn't necessarily close. So yeah, you're right. That one was close in that at the halftime. Um, St. Peter's wasn't particularly close. Any other games or through lines we didn't talk about? Um, well, so we had well, I guess um, that to go back to the St. Peter's game that yeah. that Purdue uh, the St. Peter's Purdue game. I it seemed was it me? So who's Purdue's like? Um, Big, big, not big man, but like big scorer. Um, um what is his name? Oh, uh, I, I know it. It's off the top of my head. It's like um, Jaden Ivy is yeah, their Ivey. guard. That's, it, yeah. it almost seemed like he disappeared. Yeah, toward the toward the tail end of that game, um, it just it it seems like you know when when you're in that I don't know you're in that kind of a game you're going to feed your lottery pick at least that's what everyone's yep saying your lottery pick uh player the the ball and let him let him go out and do it and he had nine points yeah so that's not what that's not what if you want to be a lead guard on in the nba you know you don't want to see nine points in uh in an elimination game Right, and it's not like he didn't get. He was he played thirty six minutes. He had the most the most time of any. Um, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. One of the check to make sure he had the most time of any player on the on the floor for both teams. So it it just seemed odd that that right. was their approach. Whether it was a game plan or, or I don't know what it was, but it, it seemed like if if that's what you um, that that's the guy you, you should have been putting the ball in, in his hands for the entire second half. I'm sorry. I'm You're finishing up my Skittles. Skittles. I was eating Skittles. I, yeah. I, I could have talked a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> I was try, trying to eat Skittles as fast as I could. Um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I did think that was weird. And obviously um, Purdue has – has at least one big man in um, uh, Edie, I believe is his name. Yep. Yep. Um, is their is their center, and I think they have another good center um, who who they could have probably played both of them and got every rebound, um, but but decided not to. Um, so that was a, a another point where I feel like they had they had an advantage and they didn't take advantage of it. Um, so that one was a little weird, um, but you know, obviously. I think St. Peter certainly won that game versus Purdue losing it. Um, but there was opportunities. You know, it's a three-point game. Obviously, there's opportunities for Purdue to win, and they did not. Right. So now on to the, uh, on to the final four. Yep. What is, what is your call? <clears throat> um, all right. So we talked about North Carolina Duke. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to, on North Carolina Duke, I'm going to stick with the movie script and I'm going to take Duke there. I will skip to the script and take Duke as well. Okay. Are we taking them against the, uh, with giving, laying the points too? Um, I was just going to go straight up um, in this, just kind of pick winners. Okay. um, As, as, uh, it's hard for, it's hard for, with spreads in the tournament because teams are teams are playing to win, um, you know, and I think yeah. you know, whether it's a win by one or, or five, um, you know, the spread the, the spread thing. I like to to go for the same motivation that the teams are going for. Um, so okay, so we both we're both on Duke there. We're we're on the Dukies. Okay. Um, so then the other game, the earlier game, actually, in this case, um, is Villanova against Kansas. Um, we talked about Villanova a bunch. We talked about. Um, Kansas, uh, Villanova wants to slow it down. Kansas is, a oh, you know, man, they are, yeah. a more run. talented, uh, not more talented, but probably a, a faster paced scoring team. Uh, Kansas favored by four. Oh man. Um, I, I can take this one first. I'm going Nova. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I think, I think Nova too. I think that they, when it comes down to it, they will make the least number of mistakes. Um, and that's what will count. So that then that'll give us Villanova against Duke. Um, you got to pick who on you that have one. Oh, uh, oof. I will say, I don't know, something about my gut is saying take Villanova. Wow. Okay. I'm also going to take Villanova because I don't want to pick Duke. I don't. I really don't want them to win. <laughs> um, you know, I think that the Coach K like love fest is is already gotten out of control. Yeah. Um, when it was the even when it was the Michigan State against Duke, um, maybe that was round of thirty two or whatever. Like the intro to that game, like uh, I, you you couldn't have guessed that there was a an actual player playing. It was just coach gay and Tom Izzo playing chess against each other. Um, there was no actual players involved the way that they introed that. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're both on the same, which is, is probably, I, I feel bad for you because you are picking the same thing I pick. And that right. is usually a, a bad sign <laughs> until this, until this week, until this week, we're going to turn it around. Um, so, we are picking the underdog in Villanova and the favorite in Duke. So do you think then in the final, you probably think Duke will be favored again? I would probably assume Duke will be, the... be favored again, yeah. Yeah. yeah probably by the same, Yeah, uh, I don't know, similar yeah. spread, I would guess. Yeah, three to four again. Um, okay. All right. So that'll that'll be good. I, You know, the, if you look at the final four and, you know, you were given – a blindfold to records and seating. Like, I think this is, a, you'd think this is a pretty chalky one. Cause like Kansas, Duke and North Carolina are three of the most winningest basketball programs of all time. Yeah. Villanova is probably one of the winningest in the past. I don't know, five to 10 years. They have two titles. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's interesting that after all of this, the the kind of a, a big four teams uh, come through to the final four, so um, I found that quite interesting. Yeah, um, I, it'd be nice to have a, a George Mason or something like that uh, that 
that jumped into this party, but uh, certainly no, not a lot of uh, or television networks are not going to complain about uh, Duke, North Carolina in the Final Four. <laughs> no, they they certainly are not. Yeah, it would be nice to have like an Arkansas or uh, or or somebody in there. Like if North and you know even another eight seed in there. Um, but North Carolina is a a big school with a you know a big talent on their team that underperformed a little bit this year, but they are performing to their level here, and we'll see how they do in the Final Four against their their rival Duke. That one Saturday night uh, eight eight forty five Eastern. That should should be a should be must see TV, I think. Yeah, um, on Saturday night. All right. Anything else on the final four? Uh, March Madness from you? No. Nope. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, as you said, no, uh, no buzzer beaters yet. So maybe no we get one beater. here. Yeah. But, Championship yeah. game buzzer beater. That would be great. I would love that. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's let's move on to to our other topic today. Um, now that we have a start date for baseball. Let's go ahead and preview the National League this week and the American League right. next week. That sounds good. Um, and then it'll be opening day, so um, which will be great. So what we have here in the National League. So um, let's go ahead and break it down by – let's go quickly div- um, division by division. Okay. I think that's probably the, the best way to do it. Um, so we've got um, – let's start with NL East real quick. Um, obviously the, the, the champions, the Braves hashtag official podcast of the Atlanta Braves, Mm -hmm. um, are, are reigning champions in this, uh, division. Yes, they are. Um, and they're projected to, to win it again. However, the Braves, Mets, Phillies are all projected, um, on fan graphs to be about four games apart. So it's, it's kind of pretty much anyone's division there. Um, the Braves uh, subtracted Freddie Freeman, but added Matt Olson. Um, so they're pretty much bringing back the same team. And plus, um, Acuna will be back from yes. the injured list. Obviously, he played some of last year, but yeah. certainly not the playoffs and and not the the ending part. So that'll be a big boost for them as well. So, um, Fangraphs has them projected for four more wins than last year. Um, so that that one certainly should be interesting. The Mets. Obviously made a big splash with Scherzer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 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 projected to get up to ninety wins when they had seventy seven last year. Um, the Phillies added um, Castellanos. Did they add anybody else? Um, they they bring back obviously the reigning MVP in Harper. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> they they, they didn't they? Um, I believe so. They're, they they. They've been taking kind of like a stars and scrubs approach with yeah. a lot of high high paid players in certain positions, but the other positions are kind of uh, almost ignored <laughs> a little bit. Um, and then we've got the Marlins, um, surprisingly projected for a 500 record um, by Fangraphs. I'm not sure how they got there, but um, they have have some good young players there. Um, one of my favorite pitchers, former Cardinals. Farmhand Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara yeah. is um is one of their good pitchers, and then the Nationals get uh, still have Juan Soto, but sold out most of the rest of their team yeah. and projected for for fifth place there. So I went through a lot of those teams pretty quickly, Tim. But uh, just if you want to, yeah, I'll try to handle anywhere this one. in the NL East. It's a three. Yeah. It's a three team race as far as I'm concerned. Um, Braves, Mets, and uh, and Phillies. Um, I do 
you know, just having been around the Mets for uh, for some time, uh, they they do seem to have this like anytime there are expectations, they don't meet them. Um, but yep. I mean, I don't think, for example, that uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be um, hitting two thirty with with 20 home runs. Uh, I, I believe that he'll rebound pretty good. Um, the Scherzer acquisition, it certainly, as long as he stays healthy in this year should absolutely pay off. Um, so I, I do think that they are, they're probably going to meet expectations there. I don't know if it's enough to overcome the Braves. Um, that, that, still is a daunting lineup. Um, so uh, I will, you know what, I'll go out on a limb and say um, Mets win the division. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. They Besides Scherzer, they actually got Starling Marte, right. who was on Oakland. And before that, where was he before that? I can't remember. Um, he got traded to Oakland. Um so he he'll be one of their one of their outfielders for four years, seventy eight million dollars. So a pretty big contract for Starling Marte for the Mets. So um, I think maybe this is not I'll, I'll Homer speak here, but I think um, I think the Phillies will get it done. I think this division is going to be a little bit worse than the projections. Um, I think it's going to be more like that classic NL central where they have three or four teams in on it. You know, the Marlins aren't bad. They're projected for 500. I think they're a feisty team. I think yeah. that's going to hold down kind of like last year. It's going to hold down the records in that division because, and even the nationals aren't bad. Like they're not, a, they have some, some good players on that team. So, so what are we thinking? Like somewhere around like 90, 92 wins, wins the division. Um, yeah, I would, I would say First to 90 wins it. I don't even know if anybody gets to 90. Last year, Braves won it with 88. Um, so, yeah, I think the Braves were projected at 92. Mets projected at 90. I don't think that they get there. Um, I will take – I'll take the Phillies to win the division. and um, But I think they're all going to beat up on each other. And it's probable, possible – how many wild cards do we have this year? Two wild cards, right? There is the, – Yeah, um, yes, yes. Three divisions, five. Um, I think they're expanding, expanding the playoffs in another year. Um, so uh, it's quite possible they had one wild card, but I don't think that they'll dominate the playoffs um, because they beat up on each other. Right. So um, Phillies to win. Everybody under under ninety under ninety wins there. Okay. Uh, all right. So. Well, the first thing that we have to talk about now that we go to the NL Central is something that I should have put on the rundown. Um, Cardinals sign Albert Pujols uh, to a one-year deal. Uh, we love it. A, a farewell <laughs> deal, basically. He's going to retire after the season. Um, he's pretty much going to just play DH and maybe just against certain pitchers, certain left-handed pitchers. Yeah. Um, I know you love it. I know I love it. Um, but uh, go ahead and give me your your impression on that deal. Yeah, it's just it's it's terrific. It it gives him a shot to get twenty one more home runs. He's got to stay healthy. Should be easier, uh, you know, to do with a part time role, um, and not 
I imagine he's not going to be taking the field all too often. So, um, you know, you hope that he can stay healthy. He's 42, we believe. Uh, right. Uh, so I think, uh, he's certainly advanced in, in age there, but are there 21 home runs in that bat? I, I think there, I think there could be, I think there could be, yeah, I'll be optimistic on that. And, yeah. Well, it's been a long time since I've been able to say these optimistic things about the Cardinals, which you know that I love being optimistic about the Cardinals. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I do hope that there's 21 home runs in that bat uh, this year, even though he's probably projected for, what, 10 at most? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that might also be held down by his number of at-bats projected. Right. So, so he, that's, he that's still in flux a little bit, too. He hasn't had even 300 at-bats in uh, – I mean – Granted, 2020 was was shortened, uh, but he only had 150 plate or 160 plate appearances then, just shy of 300 last year. So um, he had 17 in in his 300 at bats last year. So I, I think that we can get we can get that number over 700. All right, let's do it. Um, this is one of those things that I think, um, you know, I, I'm a I'm a math guy. I'm a spreadsheet guy, as yeah. you know, um, but. This is one of those things that is is the reason for sports, right? Sports is supposed to be fun and enjoyable, and you're you're supposed to have fun doing it. And you know what? If Albert Pujols comes up and he's a pinch hitter and he gets announced and in the eighth or ninth inning and gets a standing ovation and everybody's happy to see him and he strikes out, you know what? So what? You know, it was really fun to see him, and I think it's it's fun to have him back in in St. Louis. And I think, um, this will just be, um, more important, uh, wins and losses. And, you know, if you're a spreadsheet guy, um, the gate receipts alone will probably equal his, his contract. So right. <laughs> if you're crying about his contract, he's, he's gonna be just I, I don't have any sympathy for you. Fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it, so what they paid him $2.5 million. I don't think that really matters in, in the grand scheme of things. They write bigger checks than that for their lobster dinner sometimes. So <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the things that really bothers me when it's like, well, you know, the bats can go to Juan Yepes instead at, at DH Juan Yepes, who I really, really like, but you know, why not give, give the fans what they want, give them Albert pools. Um, you know, maybe he's a couple runs worse than optimal, that if you were doing a you know really good platoon with a couple of young guys at DH, but I don't know. I think it's 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 bigger than that. It's bigger than the the, yeah. the plus it's, minus. It's, on it's it. a great it's a great story for somebody who for I don't know ten ish years close to that was the best player in baseball, and yeah, you know he's he's up there. If you're making uh, not a Mount Rushmore player, but I mean he's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, and this is this is the right thing to do. Yep, I, absolutely. For many years, we we stopped we stopped what we were doing to watch his at bat, and then we would keep going doing whatever we were doing. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's that kind of player, and and even having him back as a as a shell of himself, obviously, you know, he hit he hit almost 20 home runs last year. Um, just even one pinch hit home run to win a game is going to be worth every, every penny, every every strikeout. It's going to be worth that that one game. I agree. So, yeah. um, the, the memory the memory will live on. You know whether the uh, whether the 
you know, all 162 will not, but that one will. And that's what's most important in my opinion. Okay. So NL central last year, won by the Brewers, <clears throat> right? Um, they, they're, um, so this is another division similar to the NL East where, where all the teams are projected. Um, um, well, NL East, they did have a couple of people over 90, but none of the NL Central projected by fan graphs to get over 90 wins. So the Brewers are projected to repeat um, with 88 wins. Cardinals are actually seven games behind at 81 and 81 at 500. I don't understand that. Um, yeah, that, that's a little bit. Well, 90 well, games uh, last year. Yeah. So um, that one's a little right. bit uh, strange. I don't see the, I don't see the uh, nine-game step back. But um, the, the Cubs are projected for 75 after getting 71 last year. The Reds are down quite a bit, almost 10 games from last year. They had a, had a fire sale that lasted about three days, um, got rid of a lot of their, their top expensive players. Uh, so they are kind of back into tank mode. I think they won't, <laughs> I think they'll continue to tank and I don't think they'll even get to that 75. Um, and of right. course the, the, the pirates are, I don't know what the pirates are. Um, they're, they are aiming for a, a 400, 400 win percentage year again. Um, you know, I think the the biggest headliners, obviously, besides Pools, was the Reds selling everybody. Um, Cubs Cubs signed a couple of um, good players, including Suzuki from Japan, um, to play outfield for them. And I believe they got uh, a starting pitcher who I liked. Um, that now I'm. I'm not remembering who he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, um, I'm blanking on that. Uh, Stroman. Oh, Marcus got Stroman. St- yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. They got Stroman, who, who I really like. Um, so I think he'll be good for them three years, $71 million. So a uh, pretty big contract. So the Cubs aren't quite um, tanking, really. They're not really rebuilding. They're kind of in between there. Um, so, you know, fighting for 500 kind of level. Same with yeah. the, the Reds. Um so this is the division that doesn't quite have as many competitive teams as the NL East, but um, the Brewers and the Cardinals um, will be fighting for the division crown. And I think um, Cubs and Reds will probably, um, the Cubs will remain frisky. I think the Reds and Pirates probably will fall off as the season wears on. Yeah. So, so you might be familiar with, are you familiar with the saying like, you know, uh, in baseball, you're going to, no matter what happens, you're going to win f- at least 54 games. You're going to lose 54 games. And so it's like, okay. what happens sure. to the other 54? Because you, you, you okay. you've got 162 game schedule, divides up to 54. So I don't see, and this is where I don't understand the, the Cardinals at 81, is I don't see the Reds. And I, I know they did away with like the unbalanced. I think that I'm pretty sure they did at least the unbalanced like schedule where you play your each team in your division um, like 19 times or whatever. Right. Um, you still play them frequently, and I don't I don't see the Reds or the Pirates doing a lot with that middle 54 games. Put it that way. No. So I that that's why I don't quite understand the 81 number for the Cardinals. I have a hard time with there's that. A, yeah, there's going to be wins to be had in the NL Central right. against the Reds and the Pirates, and and the Cubs too as well. I think they'll they will you know probably fight for 500. Um, 
there, but still wins to be had. I, I, yeah, even against the Brewers, the Brewers are, are still kind of an incomplete team uh, as well. It's going to be one of those old school NL Central ones where the winner has under 90. Yeah, um, this one I do wins. see. Yeah, 80, 88. Yeah, 90 definitely, but probably 88 wins gets you the gets you the NL Central crown. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. I agree. Between the Brewers and the Cardinals, I'm a homer, so I'll pick the Cardinals. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm right there with you. I'm back to optimistic, Tim. Give me a dollar. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So the NL West last year was a bit crazy. Um, the yes. Giants won it with 107 wins. Dodgers came in second with 106 wins. Um, and the Cardinals had to face the Dodgers in the wild card. So that was um, a tough matchup. So this year, the Dodgers added Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. They already had Trey Turner from, from last year's trade. Did they did they add any other big big names here? Um, no. They re-signed um, Chris Taylor and they they kept Clayton Kershaw, but um, Freddie Freeman was the really the big the big deal for them. Um, already obviously had a pretty stacked team, so they didn't really even need much. Um, well, they're projected to win the division. Yeah. So here's my my question for you: At what point? I, I don't know what the appropriate. I guess like diminishing returns is the appropriate sure. economics term. Like how much value will, a, will Freddie Freeman, how many more wins is he going to get the Dodgers? Maybe he's not there to get them wins in the regular season. Maybe it's about having somebody like that available for the postseason, um, where, you know, you don't, you're, we're not looking at things over a, uh, span projecting things over a span of 162 games. I, does he make them better? Yes. Does he make them like that much better? I don't know. Is he like an awesome player? Do I love him? Yeah, of course. He's one of my favorite players in, in baseball today. Um, I just don't know that he's making them that much better than they were previous. Uh, I agree 100%. I think when you're a team like the Dodgers, you can afford to spend $162 million on a player that is a not a not a giant improvement, right? Like an incremental improvement. Because when you're already up there by the Dodgers, you're looking for those inter- incremental appro- improvements that will get you to the World Series. Um, and I think there was also some a little bit of... Um, playing defense, uh, keeping him away from the Braves, maybe even, um, or, or another NL that's challenger. For, that's I think um, uh, San Diego was in on him um, as well. So, you know, they kind of uh, maybe were like, well, we, we could use him, but he's an incremental improvement. But by keeping him on our or putting him on our team, we deny it his... keeps a team like San Diego from making a giant improvement. Right. Um, or Atlanta from from you know facing him again in the playoffs and having him torch us. So um, you know it, that's that's not necessarily maybe backed up in the numbers, but I think that's a psychological advantage for a team like the Dodgers, who the regular season is just a means to get to the playoffs for them. The goal is the World Series every year. Um, so a, a player like Freddie Freeman, they get 
to win, as you said, in the playoffs. Yeah. I, if that I, answers your question. Right. I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that in playing defense. You usually see that like on the waiver wire. Um, like you claim you claim somebody to prevent somebody else from getting them. Uh, but it certainly could be the case here. Um, now, do you think what do you think about the Giants? Uh, wildly overachieved. Um, last, you know, whatever their projections were last year, um, Fangrass has an 84. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're a very easy target to say that they are going to underperform. 23 um, win, a 23 win swing. Yeah. Um, I still think that they're going to be a good team. Um, are, are they going to be, I don't think they're going to come close to a hundred wins. Probably no. <laughs> um, but they, they made some interesting to me signings. Um, one being Jock Peterson, uh, who is, uh, you know, one of the heroes from the Atlanta Braves sure. playoffs, uh, who I still think is a good player. They grabbed for one year. Um, and they, they grabbed, uh, four starting pitchers, honestly, that I all, I really like all of them. And their park is very pitcher friendly. So, you know, um, heads up for fantasy reasons. Um, I think, well, they, they kept Alex Wood and Anthony Discalafini, mm-hmm. um, who they, who they had already, um, from trades earlier, but they grabbed Carlos Rodon, who I really like. And they grabbed Alex Cobb, who I also really like, um, as starting pitchers for them. And I think they'll be pretty good. Um, they're not like, uh, Scherzer type, uh, knockout guys, but, they will be, I think, solid in that park that that suppresses uh, suppresses home runs and suppresses uh, runs in in that way. So yeah, um, you know the, that what does it say? They had 80, 84? Man, that does seem low. But um, yeah, that that one's the Giants are very difficult to. To project, I think. Yeah, you know, um, I, I their range is huge. I like, uh, I like maybe some players that they have a little bit more than like. I think Brandon Belt is a pretty underrated player. Yep. Um, I think that Brandon Crawford's a pretty underrated player. You know, I, I, I think they've got some, they've got some talent that I guess I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to win 107 games again. I, I, I think that they're probably closer to 90 than that. Um, but do I think it's going to be, I mean, 84 is three games over 500. That that seems quite low to me. I'd, I'd say high yeah. 80s, low 90s. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I would take, if, it, if you gave me 84, I'd probably take the over on that. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, Again, I think that they're going to be com- competitive, and so they're going to push for it towards the end of the season. So that'll push their win total up towards the end. Um, the other team in the division that's going for it, Diamondbacks and Rockies, kind of aren't. Um, so we can discount them a little bit. Um, is the Padres? Obviously, they last year had a disappointing season, ended up under five hundred, projected for over five hundred this year, projected for eighty-eight wins by Fangraphs. Um, they lost uh, Fernando Tatis for a couple months. Is that right? Um, yeah. Motorcycle accident. Yes. Um, um, and during the during the lockout, 
so uh, I don't know how much that affects that. Did they sign anybody? I don't think that they made any splash signings. Uh, they um, grabbed Luke Voigt. I believe. I, I do Yankees. like. I do like Luke Voigt. Um, uh, I'm not sure what he's gonna do. Nick Martinez. They signed Luis Garcia from the Cardinals, who like came out of nowhere to be good in the bullpen. So, um, and I believe they got somebody from um, from Japan, who was a good uh, good reliever as well, who should be in their closer um, closer role. So I think it's a lot of the guys hoping for a regression to upwards regression for for those guys. I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah. Again, I, with. with, with with uh, San Diego. Okay, so, you know, the Eric Hosmer deal is looking like one of the worst that's been signed yep. in recent baseball history. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think too highly of um I, I used to be higher on, you know, Jerks and Profar. Uh, yeah, uh not so much anymore. I I don't really love Will Myers. Uh, I, I see a lot of, yeah, I, I, I do like Luke Voigt, um, but I'm not sure that what, what he's going to be able to give you, if he's going to be able to give you 500 at bats, uh, he'll probably be slotted at the DH a lot. So presumably can be healthier, but he, he struggled staying healthy with the Yankees, uh, you know, and he, he did have that big year, the pandemic year. He was like led the league in home runs for a while. I, I just don't know if he's got the consistency to put it all together. So I, I see a lot of, whereas I guess with the Giants or a lot of guys that I think were underrated, I, I feel like there's some uh, maybe the other way here. Right. And they have Machado, who's very Machado's overrated in my great. opinion. Like, I, I think he's great. He's great, but I think he's he's overrated. He's probably rated rated as like a you know a, a superstar in the league, and he's probably just a, a regular regular star. Um, you know, um, Trent Grisham, who I like, San Diego plays in center field. Yeah, um, but he's one of those players that's kind of like uh, keeps expecting that breakout. He had a he had good a good fantasy year, but um, they're they're expecting. Um, expecting a huge uh, upswing from him. And I don't, I'm not sure if it's going to come. He's slotted to, to be lead off for them. And Cronworth is another player at second base who, um, you know, kind of had to break out and can he keep that up? Um, Void, I like obviously, but um, yeah, it, it, can he be that same 2020 season and, and the rest of their, you know, they have holes in their lineup, I think. Or if you look at, if you look at a team like, you know, Ellie Dodgers, um, you know, not a fair comparison, but they're in their division. No holes in their lineup, really. Um, so San Diego and San Diego's starting pitching is is Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, who's interesting um, if he, he returns to to what he used to be. Um, but again, coming off an injury, um, and Nick Martinez, who they signed in Japan. So you know, none of those guys really. Um, is like the guy that you're going to give the ball to. I think that they were hoping Snell would be that guy. Um, but you, you don't have a, don't have a lot, you know, a, a superstar uh, stopper um, <clears throat> that you're looking forward to. So yeah, I just, I don't see it with San Diego. Uh, maybe the, I, it's a uh, case of uh, uh, Missouri show me state ism here. And, okay. but let, let's see it from them before, 
before I'm really considering them uh, a playoff team. I think they've been hyped a lot, but it hasn't hasn't lived up to it yet. I, I I'm with you all the way on that. Okay. All right. So let's let's do this way. We 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 went through all of the divisions. Who is your um, who are your playoff teams, and who do you have taking the so I get six. Um, get six. So three and three. Is that right? Wow. Okay. Is it that? Is it two from each division? Is it two from each division? Or is it like, um, what if, what if it's, what if the Mets, the Phillies and yeah, the Braves all have better records? I think it's, um, it's, it's three wild cards, three divisions and, and, um, so that would be uh, number one and number two, um, and then the third, the third um, divisional winner gets thrown in kind of the wild card um, round. Right, but do the wild cards have to be evenly distributed among the three divisions? No, my guess would be no. Okay, in that I haven't case, seen that in black and white, but yeah, I would yeah, say. I, I that that doesn't I don't doesn't seem like it would make sense. Um, yeah. But then again, this is baseball, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I will take in. Ooh, um, I will pick the Dodgers in the NL West, mm-hmm. the Cardinals in the NL Central, yep, the Mets in the NL East. Okay, I will pick the Braves as one. I will pick the Phillies as two and the Giants as three. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on the um, distribution. Um, I don't think there's a second playoff team from the NL central. So one team from there, Cardinals um, Dodgers win the NL West and the Giants get in Phillies win the NL East. So I think we have the same groups of teams. Um, no gate crashers here. Um, it's Phillies, Mets, Braves, um, and Dodgers, Padres in the West, and the Cardinals. Wait, in the Dodgers, Central. Padres. I'm sorry, Dodgers, Giants, okay. not Padres. Dodgers, Giants. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't rate the Padres. I don't think they'll make it. Um, so, right, well, why, why um, even play the season? We already picked it. It's the same. We already teams. picked it. Let's just fast yeah, forward to just, October. Yeah, let's just fast forward. <laughs> All these teams are going to make it. So let's. Boom. So if if we fast forward to October, Tim, um, who do you have amongst these six teams taking the crown? Um, I mean, the smart money would say to take the Dodgers, um, but we're not smart. Um, we're, we're passionate. <laughs> we're passionate fans. Um, Let's 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 dream of a St. Louis Cardinals World Series where Albert Pujols is able to, you know, hit a walk off home run uh, in Game Seven to uh, to win the series. I, I don't think that probably will happen. I, I'd love for that to happen. That would be great. Um, All timer right there. Yeah, I think. I mean, if I'm if I'm handicapping it, I'll pick um, I'll pick the the Dodgers or. Or the I can't believe I'm saying the Dodgers or the Mets. 
Yeah, you know what? Dodgers are the easy easy money, I, I, I'm, so I'm not going to pick them. But other than that, I think I'm leading towards the Mets because um, I, I think that they're going to do enough to um, at the end of the season, if they're having a good season, to add pieces to that team. Um, and once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But if you have DeGrom and Scherzer as your pitchers in the playoffs, like yeah. – you can go. That's that's uh, pretty. A four game series, you really only need one other pitcher, <laughs> or a um, a seven game series, you probably only need one other pitcher, um, right? And a five game series, say that they are. Um, I don't have them winning, but if they do a five game series, say they're the best wild card and they face the Cardinals, like, uh, I don't know that that would be a very difficult five game series because you're just facing those two pitchers. Um, so yeah, I. I'm, I'm going to go with the Mets getting into the, as long as they get into the playoffs, which I think they will um, with six teams, they certainly will. Um, and just with those top two pitchers, I, I think that they could and should have a pretty good chance to, uh, to dominate in there. Um, that'll give them such a huge advantage in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind the, um, the T1 Walker guy either in, in the rotation. I, I, sure. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I've always been higher than everybody on, on, I think Edwin Diaz, like the base numbers always seem good to me for him. I like him as a closer. And I mean, I'm just looking at this lineup, like, and Michael Conforto is not even signed yet. I, I guess they're not, they may not, but like, I really like, Francisco Lindor for a bounce back. I like Jeff McNeil. Like, you know, they've got uh, Pete Alonzo. I, I, I think they're they're going to be real good. Um, our friend, our friend Pat will be will be happy about that if if that does indeed happen. So we'll have to tell him to listen to it and say, listen, we're picking the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> get weird. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully he thinks uh, he thinks that's not a kiss of death, but. You know yeah, what? I mean, if he you, if you it, did say earlier, don't pick yeah. what you pick. So, yeah, hopefully he starts listening towards the middle of the podcast, right. so he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> listen to that, the part that where I say, part. yeah. Um, and, and you're right, right. They, they they'll go get somebody if they have to. I mean, their owner yeah. just pretty much single handedly lifted the COVID vaccine requirement by donating money to the mayor's office, essentially, or DC <laughs> yeah, for exactly. the mayor. So, it, yeah, they're yeah. they're willing to spend some money. It seems like. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you know, whether it's a, another starting pitcher behind um, DeGrom and Scherzer or whether, you know, they, they have an injury and they need a DH that's uh, or a DH that's better than Robinson Cano or something like right. that. I feel like they, they can add that that kind of player later in the season. So that that is why I am going to favor the Mets uh, going into the playoffs so long as they make it, which I think that they will with six teams. All right. Um, there's a couple of things that I'm looking ahead to, obviously, um, not this week, but in the, in the future, um, we've got the masters coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Um, the U S men's national team, um, has one more game until to qualify for the world cup in Qatar. It's playing in the, they're playing it in November because it was ridiculous to ever consider that they were going to play a world cup in Qatar in the summer. Um, despite yeah. what FIFA was telling us for many years until they were like, oh yeah, we're playing it in the winter. And so they're playing it in the winter, um, which is farcical on its head anyway. 
So um, U.S. has one more game to go, has not clinched yet. They just need to um, not have a catastrophic loss. <laughs> I believe they have to win. They have to, as long as they um, don't lose by five, nothing or more, they will qualify automatically for the World Cup. And who are they um, playing? So they are playing. Great question. Um, I, I should have had that queued up ahead of time. Um, but um, they, uh, Canada has, has clinched to, to make it to the, the World Cup for the first time in uh, a very long time. So the U.S. is playing um, uh, Costa Rica tomorrow on Wednesday. And then um, immediately after that, pretty much, is the draw for, for the pots for the World Cup. So that will have... Um, We'll have a World Cup group oh, with, right. uh, yeah. you know, with like six months to, to stew on it. <laughs> um, so that that one should be quite interesting um, as well. So um, so Canada is already clinched. USA and Mexico are even on 25 points. Costa Rica is in fourth place. So fourth place Costa Rica would face um, the win. The I think one of the winners out of the. Uh, Oceania bracket. So like Australia, New Zealand, somebody of that ilk um, will have like a home and home uh, playoff to, to make it. So Costa Rica, um, you know, pretty good team, probably has a good chance uh, against one of those two teams. So um, the first three make it automatically um, provided the U.S. does anything against Costa Rica. It'll be Canada, USA, Mexico um, to go automatic qualifiers to yeah. the World Cup. So ha- having missed it last um, go-round, which was pretty heartbreaking for the U.S., it'll be great to see them um, back on the World Cup stage. Agreed. So that'll that, one, be, that one should be interesting. That'll be fun. Uh, it, it's always, World Cup, I usually do like it because it's in the summer, and you know, I guess with my schedule, I get to watch a lot of the games. This November should be interesting, but um it it does it does create a fun buzz so uh definitely looking forward to definitely looking forward to that yeah and it'll be very interesting i think you know it being in november and um across the world i'm not sure on time zones as far as when those games will be played i know that in the past i have gotten up um in the middle of the night in early morning and um we've gone to bars i think Early in the morning <laughs> for those, I remember for those going games. To the I think Phoenix landing at like 9 a.m. with you uh, for, yes. uh, for one. Yeah, I think it was cup. in Italy that year. So it was like six hours ahead. So it was like a nine o'clock in the morning game um, that they, they opened, opened the doors just for that um, and, and let us in to watch it. So um, so that one, you know, I, it's not guaranteed, obviously not clinched, but I'm hoping that they, they, they clinch it tomorrow night. And then we have um, we have pots to talk about, so um, that'll be a very interesting draw. And um, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about, but uh, I don't remember what it is. So, do you have anything else that you're looking ahead to nope. um, the, in the future? Uh, Final four this weekend. Um, then it's it's all it's it's all Masters after that. So that that should be that should be a really fun weekend to clear the schedule and just uh watch some golf hopefully there's some good weather and there's no crazy rain like there's been a couple of these tournaments and uh just is a fun 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 couple days of golf yeah um the other thing i wanted to mention was that nba is kind of coming into for a landing here so we've got um 
um, playing game scenarios or playing tournament <clears throat> yep. scenarios. Um, and we've got about anywhere from six to eight games left for each team. So that's about two weeks ish. Um, so that's another thing I'm looking ahead to not this week, but, but next week we should start to crystallize that, that playing game. Uh, Kyrie, we talked about last week is back for home games. So, um, Brooklyn is at, I guess, as full strength, full strength as they get, yeah. <laughs> as full strength as they get right now. So that should be interesting as they are kind of, um, not locked into the play in, but they, they likely will be in the play in tournament. Um, like Charlotte, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, they, so they, they would, have a little take, bit of ways to go. It would take a lot. It would take I think, a lot to, to for them to get up there. There's like three distinct tiers in the Eastern Conference. There's the top tier, which are actually all quite quite jumbled up. Um, one through four are just one game apart from each other um, in the East, and then the Bulls, Raptors, and Celtics are kind of at their own tier, and the Nets would have to make up. Yeah, at this point now, four games to get to the sixth spot um, to get out of the plan. So that one would be a lot. Um, it looks like the it's going to be um, probably the Cavaliers, Nets, Hornets, and Hawks yeah. in the play-in tournament. So the Nets, well, I'd like the Nets' chances against against the Cavaliers. So that would put them in seventh. Um, and so that would be quite an interesting matchup against whoever gets in second um, in the East, um, which is right now, of course, the 76ers, which would be uh, wild. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more, but that's definitely something I'm looking ahead to, not looking at this week, but looking ahead to. Um, all right. Uh, anything else before we, we, we walk it out? No, it's a, it's a fun next couple of weeks of in the sports world. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it. March, April is fun and uh, we've got definitely a lot going on. All right, so keep your eyes glued to the Final Four this weekend and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we'll talk to you last, next week. All right, so here's my here's my question for you. I have the first yeah. pick in our Vassar League draft. Oh. Who, who's, who's your guy if, if you're picking number one? Do we need to put in keepers for that? We do have to put in keepers uh, by yeah, Saturday, I think. Okay. I have not, um, I have not looked at this. First pick, uh, give me Soto. Give me Soto. I, I think I think that's I think that's a great move. Um, yeah. Do you want Do you want me to ask? Um, let me ask DJ. He's been studying his draft guide. Yeah. I, I, yes. I mean, okay. Soto, Harper is in play. Yeah. Freddie Freeman is in play. At number one would you, for me. Would you go pitcher? Would you go pitcher? I would not. Not that. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, I would. I would go. I would go Soto. Acuna right. is probably a good pick, but he's, he may not have a full season. Um, right. So I would. I would probably go. Soto. I also try to only draft left-handed hitters. Um, have I never told you that? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I All think right. we talked about that last year. Yeah. So I, I mean. Juan Soto, yeah, he's, he's kind of the real deal. It, it, it's probably, probably the direction. 